I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. It's episode 234 and uh, in preparation for the summer holidays in the Northern Hemisphere, we're talking about how to prepare for your first big trip. Yeah, heaps of people are going to be heading out on their first big trip and it's so exciting. I mean, oh gosh, I kind of wish that I was still preparing for my first big trip because it's nice and emotional and you're getting all ready, it's exciting. But then you get to go, and that's even better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's still kind of, I don't know. Darling, this is not our first big trip. I know, but it still kind of feels like it is, because, you know, I mean, I know we've been back to New Zealand a few times, but I still feel like we've got that travel momentum going. Yeah, we're still but making like, stupid mistakes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I also feel a bit... Uh, I don't know, a bit jaded when it comes to preparation. I've always been bad at preparing for anything. I just tend to go, what am I going to do? Okay, I'll do it and go and do it. Um, so all that kind of research and reading and oh, looking no, it's stuff fun. up. It's great. That's, that's not for me. It can get a little bit overwhelming, but I think sometimes it can be a, a really important part of the trip. You're looking forward to it, the anticipation. It's good. Yeah, yeah. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, be sure to visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash books if you haven't recently, because there's new stuff going on all of the time. We have two books that are going to be coming out quite soon, the second edition of Art of Solo Travel and um, the Baby Boomer Solo Travel book, which we're yet to give a definitive title to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need to do that. Well, we have had a discussion on this. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be Women on the Road, A Baby Boomer's Guide to Solo Travel. Mm-hmm. I nice. think that's what it is. That's going to be good. That's going to be good. Yeah, but we, we just call it whatever we want to. <laughs> <laughs> that book, the Baby Boomer book, the women book, we really should choose just one name because it's much easier. Yeah. Stick to it. Stick to it. Hey, well, Art of Couples Travel is still on sale for $9.99. Um, that will probably be going back up when the new Art of Solo Travel comes back out and the price will be going back up to normal. So so you should buy it. Yeah, it's a good time to. Hey, well, if you're all ready to head out on your first big trip, you're probably excited, but also probably a bit anxious. And so we hope to uh, put aside some of those fears and give you some helpful advice that you haven't already heard. Yeah, that might be a bit difficult, but, you know, at least put aside your fears. <laughs> <laughs> well, if uh, you have more questions at the end of this episode, then do come by the, the website, IndieTravelPodcast.com, or jump to Facebook.com slash IndieTravel and just chuck your questions on there. Yeah, there's heaps of people around who are happy to, to chat with you and, you know, throw comments back and forth. So you should definitely make the most of it, because I think that's one thing we definitely didn't do. We thought we, mm. we, thought we could do it on our own. And we still do, actually. I got told off the other day for not asking my friends for help <laughs> because, um, well, as you know, we're in Acarunia in Spain and I've got a working holiday visa. And my Chilean friend, Moroni, told me that as the wife of an EU citizen, Craig has a British passport, I can get residency here relatively easily and for free. So essentially, I've wasted a lot of time and effort getting my working holiday visa and Moroni told me off for not asking my friends for help. So let that be a lesson to all the rest of you. <laughs> ask your friends for help and, you know, ask the indie travel community for help with whatever you want because people are really keen to help you out. Indeed. Well, I guess that's uh, part one of our first section, which is talking about the, the planning stage. I mean, ask people because yeah. there's so much information and 
although Google for search is getting better, there's a lot of out-of-date information that gets turned up in the search results. So you're always better off getting first-hand advice. Yeah, and there's so many people out there who are in the places you want to go to or have just been there or are going there as well and have found that information. Yeah. So why not get that information for yourself? Yeah. In preparation for this article, we asked uh, people on Facebook what they wish they had known before their first big trip. And uh, Leanne said, I wish I knew the cost of all the medical shots. It can be more than your plane tickets. It's true. Vaccinations are really expensive. And I mean, if you add up all of the medical bits and pieces, like going to the doctor, going to the optometrist, going to the dentist, and all the things that you might want to do before you head off on a big trip, it really racks up. Yeah, it sure does. And we got the rabies shots this last time, well, what, about six, seven months ago, something like that? Yeah. And man, gosh... It was yeah. unbelievably expensive. Oh, yeah. I mean, our, our medical expenses for kind of the two months before we left were easily in four figures with yeah, oh, yeah. Op- optometrists, dentists, vaccines. Um, it, yeah, it definitely adds up. Yeah, and we only spent that on the plane tickets as well. <laughs> yep. So. so, yeah, cost can be more than you expect, and it can come from unexpected places. Um there are a lot of areas where you can save money and a lot of areas where you can kind of shave things off. But the the three real costs that are really hard to get around um, or that you don't really want to get around is your long-haul transport, uh, your insurance, and your medical costs. Because you definitely want to go, and hence you need <laughs> your long-haul transport. Um, and you don't want to go without insurance and without good medical advice because you know, it's your life, right? Yeah, it's true. So, I mean, it's also a good idea to work out a daily budget of how much you're going to be spending while you're there so that you can save up to that amount. But yeah, before you go, you do need to buy your ticket, get your shots and buy your insurance. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So then the areas where you can save some money or you can kind of switch one cost for experiences is uh, you can save on accommodation by either hosteling, um, which will bring your daily cost probably down to about 20 to $30 a night, and in some places you'll be down under $10 a night, mm-hmm. um, or by couch surfing, in which case you'll probably spend a similar amount of money, but you'll be spending it on you know, taking people out for dinner, buying them drinks, buying them a gift, and you'll be staying with locals instead of you know, staying with other travellers in a hostel. Yeah, it's it's often a lot cheaper than hosteling because where, I don't know, when we were staying in um, in Norway, it would have cost us 100 euros a night. Yeah. To stay with someone was free, but we took them out for dinner, so it ended up costing us a little bit of money. Or did we, another person, I don't think we did take them out for dinner, we, we cooked them dinner, so it cost us 7 euros instead of 100 euros. Yeah. Which is, you know, a lot better. Yeah, but we weren't just taking. I think that's the main thing. Some people think of couch surfing as free. It's not free. It's a free service. But once you're there, you really do need to give back. Uh, another way to save money is not to buy lots of essential travel gear because there's no essential travel gear. Um, <laughs> you can get by with what you have. Uh, the only thing you might want to invest in is a good backpack if you're yes. going to be carrying it a lot. Um, but you can probably make do. You don't need to buy specialist gear. Um, I quite often like to um, because I don't like shopping, so I'd prefer to buy one thing that lasts me for a year instead of you know, buying a $10 T-shirt a dozen times. 
And so, you know, I like to, but you don't have to. And when you're first starting out, you don't have to. No, definitely not. Because go, you've, go probably with what you got, have. you've probably got a wardrobe full of clothes you've barely worn. Yeah. And therefore they're in good nick. Yeah, and so go with what you have and then when something needs to be replaced, replace it with something that's specialist travel gear. And yeah. then you're sorted. But don't go out and buy everything that you need to buy. Yeah, especially, I, I, I must say, I have to laugh at the people that are going to places like Thailand or Vietnam um, and that buy T-shirts and clothes before they oh. go. It's like, have you looked at the label? They're made there. Yeah, I reckon. to the place where they're made. I know. Um, so, yeah, just don't, don't buy more stuff. You don't really need it. So, If you like shopping, one little trick is to um, pack all of your old stuff. If you're going to Thailand, for example, pack clothes that have one or two more wears left in them. So you go to Thailand, you wear that, that T-shirt and you throw it away. And then you can buy a replacement T-shirt in Thailand. Mm, yeah, that's a really good way to do it. Because then you're not wasting stuff that you'd be, you know, giving away or throwing away anyway. Exactly. So yeah, it works out. Uh, another way to save money is to look carefully into your visa requirements. As, oh, yeah. as Linda just described, we've found that out the hard way once again. I'm so upset about that. <laughs> but I mean, it wasn't too bad. And as I said to Craig earlier today, that although I spent, it was only about like $120. It was pretty cheap visa, as visas go. And this residency thing can be the nightmare, the nightmare of bureaucracy. So having the visa that I've got, I'm tranquil. Mm. You know, I'm not stressed. I'm not going, oh, am I going to get it? I'm going to get it. I'm sorted. It's fine. Yeah. I can be here for a year. And if I get this residency, woohoo. Another thing you can look into is, like, I think it's in Thailand. If you go by land, I think you get about 15 days of entry. And if you fly in, you can stay for around 30 days off the top of my head. It's to stop people who are living there illegally doing border runs. Mm -hmm. So you can um, mm -hmm. extend your trip in those kind of ways. Or if you cut short your itinerary, you might be able to get just a, a traveler's visa instead of um, having to get a longer visa. And, uh, yeah, you can save some money that way. Yeah, we found it quite strange because we were going into Thailand by land. And we had planned to spend 18 days in Thailand. Then we found out that we could only spend 15 days. And we're like, right, so you've just lost three days of our money. <laughs> we thought it was quite stupid. But, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's weird. But, hey. Um, also, use a library and the internet to do your research. Um, don't buy guidebooks until you need to. And then when you do, consider buying ebooks instead of print books. Mm -hmm. um, then you can take them with you uh, without taking up any extra weight. If you're already going to be bringing a Kindle or your iPad or iPod or laptop or whatever, you can have all the information there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the, at the planning stage, it's a really good idea to get a whole bunch of books out of the library, to mm. have them around, to let the, I don't know, the it, osmosis. <laughs> the, the essence. To let the essence permeate <laughs> the air. La, la, la. But just to have them on the coffee table so that when you're at home and you've got your coffee out and you're just wanting to do some dreaming, you can just flick through. Mm. But yeah, don't, don't buy those books because... <laughs> you're saving to go away at the moment so <laughs> yeah. and you really don't want to take that book with you yeah um another note on money for first-time travelers have a fallback fund have an emergency oh, fund um i reckon that you should have enough money to buy yourself the next flight back home mm -hmm. that most expensive ticket to get from a to b um and then add about 10 percent um, so that's enough money for you to have a few days in a nice resort. If you have a have an issue, it's enough to cover the first couple of days of medical expenses, 
or it's enough to, to get you on a plane. And um, although your travel insurance might cover all of these things, um, you don't want to have to rely on it if you if you need it, if you need a safe place, if you need medical help, if you need to jump on a plane. That's true. So yeah, have, have an emergency fund. Definitely. When Craig and I were first thinking about starting to travel, we took a long time before we actually left home because we wanted to pay off all of our debts and build up this buffer before we went away because we wanted to be sorted. We didn't want to have to think about things back home. We wanted to be able to keep enjoying ourselves and not have to fly back home because we'd run out of money. And I think that was definitely the best thing to do. I met two people while we were away. One who had put her flights on the credit card, hoped to find work, ended up breaking her leg and couldn't work and just couldn't keep traveling because she didn't have enough money. So she ended up going home. Another girl had put her flights on her credit card as well, had work organized, started doing the work, found out that it paid really remarkably low wages and that it was just enough to keep her going. So she did this job, it was in Poland, she did the job for the whole year and couldn't even pay off her credit card. Then she started working with us in EIA, she did two weeks work with us in this job and that was enough for her to pay her credit card. Yeah. You know, Amazing. it was just the wrong job. Yeah. So yeah, it's really important, don't put your flights on your credit card because you'll be paying interest on them. Yeah. It's much better to save up, just save up for a few more months, go responsibly, it's, it's much better, it's less stress. Yeah, yeah. Well, when it comes to packing, um, I guess we've already said it, but we can't really say it enough. And and that's pack light. Yeah. Take take less stuff. Take one carry on bag, and that's it. And that's enough. Really, 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 really. When we first started traveling, we'd heard this and we didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. And now my sister's just started her kind of OE, and she's trying to pack everything into her suitcase and her bag and her other bag and get it on a on a train from London up to Edinburgh, and she's like, why have I got so much stuff? We said, well, we did tell you. She's like, I know! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really working out. Heather Rogers says, make sure you start with space in your bag, rather than having it overflowing on day three. Yeah, that's that's good advice. It Always really have a little bit of slack. Yeah, because you're going to pick up stuff. As much as yeah. you say, no, I'm not going to buy souvenirs, Yeah, you are. You're going to pick up stuff. Yeah, and another option is to use uh, the slow post to get that uh, that carpet you've been talked into in Turkey back home. Um, And, you know, I wouldn't put anything invaluable in there, but a third-class post, it does get there. Yeah, yeah, we've we've sent things home slow mail. Went Mm. to the post office in the UK once and said, we'd like to send this home. And they said, that will be $400 million. And, and we said, what? Actually, is there a cheaper way? And they're like, well, it will take three months. We're like, we're getting home in 10. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that wasn't really a problem. Um, I laughed at Barefoot Wallets who said uh, the thing they wish they knew before they started off traveling was the unimportance of socks and underwear. I love <laughs> socks and underwear. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think. Three pairs of each really is enough. I mean, you should definitely wash them and change <laughs> them, but you don't need to carry more than that. It might be a, a luxury for, for me. You I take to, seven to do pairs it, of but... underwear because then I can go a whole week without having to wash them. Mm-hmm. It's much nicer. Although I remember when we were staying in Sweden, and we asked the couple we were staying with if we could use their washing machine, and they were they were living in one of these big apartments where you had to go downstairs and there was shared washing machines. You had to like write your name or your, your yeah, house you number. Yeah, you had to book a time. And they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. You can use the washing machine. In fact, we should probably do our washing too. And 
So they pulled out all their washing. It was like a month's or two months' worth of washing because they had just hadn't done it. And the, the girl said to me, so how many pairs of undies do you have? And I said, I have, I have seven. She's like, seven? Seven? Only seven? And I was like, well, I thought that was quite a few. She's like, I have. And she showed me her underwear pile. <laughs> pile. Cupboard. It, yeah. <laughs> she had at least 100 pairs of undies. I'm not joking. It was incredible. Just undies. I think she had to put a whole load in the washing machine. <laughs> just like, just not bras and undies, just the bottom half. It was truly spectacular. Wow. Don't travel with a whole suitcase just full of undies. Thanks. <laughs> so one more thing we were thinking about when it comes to planning for your first big trip. And this one wasn't actually originally on my list. Uh, instead, I had down a talk about money. Here's money. Take some cash. Take cards from different banks. Tell the banks that you're going to go overseas so they don't block your card. And don't take travellers' checks. Yeah, don't bother. Don't, don't, don't. No. Now, some of the deals with the prepaid currency stuff can work out in your favour, but make sure you read the small print and find out, A, if you can transfer more money on, and B, if you can transfer your money back out again mm -hmm. if you don't use it. Um, but normally just an ATM card does the trick. We found um, Visa Debit to be quite good. Yeah. So we, you're not using a credit card, you're not going into debt, and you yeah. don't have to keep paying it back. Yeah. You're just using your own money, yeah. but you have the benefit of being able to pay where credit cards are accepted. Yeah. It works out that about every $500 New Zealand that we pull out of the bank, we get charged about $10 in fees. So our bank fees are really high. If That's partly States, because we're from New Zealand. It's yeah. really spectacularly terrible. Aussie and New Zealand, high banking prices. Yeah. If you're in the States, I got told that a bank called Charles Schwab will offer an account where they actually refund all of the overseas bank fees every month. Awesome. So you have to wait until the end of the month. So you can look that up and, and check your local banking options. But yeah, we found we've even, looked a lot. E even paying those bank fees is better than the prepaid cards for mm, us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look into it. Read the small print. So yeah, that's money. But um, one thing that I didn't have down in my original list that uh, suddenly sprung to mind was uh, sparked by a question on Facebook by Guy. Um, Guy wrote. I wish I knew more about international airports and how immigration, customs, quarantine, and all of that works. My parents didn't really travel overseas when younger, so when I arrived at Hong Kong, I was just a sheep following others. And luckily, the airport staff were friendly and understanding. Also, about the shonky people who hassle you for business outside the airport, like foreign currency exchange people, taxi drivers, illegal taxi drivers, etc. So a general better understanding of the arrival and departure processes, and also different cultures, etc. That's a good question. That's a really good question. And I suppose we both travelled quite a lot when we were kids, so we, we went through airports. Yeah. But if you haven't been through airports, it's it's a culture shock. It's quite different. Yeah, it really is. So some of the things you can do to kind of get your head around it is, first of all, while you're at home, before you're even thinking about going to the airport, or maybe just after you think about going to the airport, um, <laughs> you can... Look up a map of the airport online. Most international airports have their entire floor plan laid out. So you can see roughly where you have to go and where every step of the process is. So you first of all go to a check-in desk where you'll hand over your passport and your ticket, unless you've got ticketless boarding, and they'll 
give you a, a bit of paper, which is your boarding pass. Um, you can often do that ticketless, so you don't actually have to speak with anyone. Mm-hmm. You can do um, it online or you can do it at yeah. a machine at the airport. Yeah. And make sure you check what you have to do because some tickets, you have to do it online. Yeah. Or, well, you don't have to. They just charge you an extra 50 bucks if you show up at the yeah. airport without it. But, um, yeah, find out your check-in process. Uh, if you've got a bag to leave, you might have to do a bag drop after your electronic check-in, or you might do that as part of the check-in process. Yeah, in the past it was you go to the airport with your bag, you go to the check-in desk with your bag, you exchange your passport and your ticket for a boarding pass and your ticket and your passport, obviously. You leave your bag with the person, it goes away, you get on the plane. So now sometimes that's divided up mm. into bits. Yeah. Where you have to do one thing at one desk or at home and the other one... Yeah. Yeah, so that's got a bit more messy, eh? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If you can avoid taking a bag, for checking a bag, all the better. Yeah, definitely. Remember, that's... if you are traveling, just carry on. Don't put in knives or liquids over 100 mils. Mm. Yeah, no bombs no or bomb-making equipment. Yeah. And don't make smart-ass comments oh, really when people ask what's in your bag. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, no jokes about bombs, guns, or hijacking at the airport. Avoid. <laughs> Avoid, yeah. Um, so yeah, so then you'll go through security and most airports, it depends, you'll have like a, a security screening where they put your bags through a, through a belt and you often have to take out your laptop and have it separate. You may have to take off your shoes or your belt. You'll definitely have to take off any heavy jackets. And so hats. all of, all of that goes through a security belt while you walk through a metal detector or through one of the new kind of x-ray full body full body scanners um now this is a point where stuff gets stolen Mm -hmm. while your valuables like your ipod and wallet that you just put down on the on a tray to go through the belt goes through if you get held up in the line someone might slip on your watch slip your wallet into their Mm -hmm. pocket and walk off stuff gets stolen on the other side of that so what we do is craig usually goes first he goes through the scanner and I wait on the other side until all of our things have started going into the into the, the, the box, box. <laughs> the box part of the scanner. And then I go through the, um, the person's scanner yeah. and Craig's already at the other side watching our things come through. Yeah. So if you're traveling with someone, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. If you're traveling alone, make sure you watch your things go into the box, then go through. Yeah. And while you're being scanned, keep an eye out the other side. Yeah. And uh, don't be afraid to make some noise there. If yes. I mean, you don't want to draw attention to yourself in these situations, but if you see someone picking up your phone or your wallet... Yeah, you just say, hey! <laughs> make some noise. The place is crawling with security guards. So, yeah, just keep an eye on that. Um, and then after that, you're kind of stuck in limbo until your plane actually boards. Well, then you'll probably go through passport control, depending on, uh, yeah. depending on where you're going. And that just basically means waiting in line, someone will look at your passport and your boarding pass, and that's it. Yeah. And then you'll go through, and there's, there's usually shops and things where you can have a coffee, or and there's bathrooms usually. Yeah. And you need to check, it's either on your boarding pass or there might be um, monitors that will tell you where you need to go, mm. which gate you need to go to. These days it's usually monitors, so look out for your plane number, your flight number, on the monitors. Yeah. And then go to the gate as soon as you can. Yeah. Some airports worth, are enormous. Yeah. Like most of the airports in London. And they actually say, okay, go to gate 21, 10 minute walk. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes you have to jump on a jump on a train or a subway to go from where you went through security to K1. 
get to where you actually board the plane. So, mm. yeah, if you can, don't leave it to the last minute. Arrive at the airport early. Give yourself plenty of time to go through. Um, as soon as you can check in, check in. As soon as you can go through security and customs, go through. And just, yeah, give yourself lots of time. Now, it's great to have a drink to celebrate getting through customs and security and being ready to board. But you don't want to get drunk before you get on the plane because you'll get bounced straight back off it's that true. plane if you're acting up. Yeah, keep and yourself also, alert. Um, what a lot of people don't know is that alcohol at high altitudes affects you more than alcohol at ground level. It's true. It's roughly so, double. Yeah. So you actually don't want to drink a lot while you're on in the plane and you don't want to get kind of semi-plastered beforehand because it's going to just stuff you up yeah. i mean it's a cheap way to get drunk it's also an easy way to get arrested it's true if you, you... <laughs> are if you make the wrong decisions while drunk you're much better drinking things that will rehydrate you mm. you need to drink a lot of water while you're in the air yeah um, i mean there's all that medical stuff around deep vein deep vein thrombosis and that kind of stuff as well that's um, mostly about dehydration and, and inactivity yeah and it's really more about dehydration than inactivity yeah. which is what which surprising. surprised us when we researched it earlier this year so when yeah, I went drink. to the hospital with a scare, you mean, <laughs> and the yes. doctor told me. I call that, that research. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't have deep vein thrombosis. No, no. We noticed. <laughs> um, so yeah, drink, drink water, don't drink a lot of coffee and booze, and uh, don't dehydrate. Keep yourself safe. One thing that's really worth considering if you're traveling for the first time is looking at what hours your flight leaves and arrives mm -hmm. because getting to and from the airport can be a bit more of a hassle than you might expect you don't want to be arriving in your destination at 2 a.m yeah. especially if it's somewhere that's a bit dodgy or you know nothing about or you know yeah if you can plan to arrive mid-afternoon that's or in the morning yeah that's the, and the, best the same goes for land borders as well actually mm -hmm. especially if you're traveling solo and this is something we focus on in the travel safety book um, you don't want to go to out-of-the-way border crossings in the dead zones. That's right. If you go during the busy time, okay, you're going to have to wait. But the chance of something untoward happening is that much lower mm -hmm. because there's more staff on, there's more people watching, and there's there's more customers. There's more, more travelers around. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a million and one things to, to think of when you are planning to start traveling. And if you have more questions, we'd love to hear them. Um, obviously, our time is limited being a, being a podcast, but um, the article will be up on the Indie Travel podcast and will always be easy to find at facebook.com slash Indie Travel. Happy to hear your, uh, hear your questions. That's right. Well, don't forget that you can help the Indie Travel podcast stay traveling by booking through us. So visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels slash tours and slash insurance when you're booking your travel online. And there's travel deals updating daily at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash deals. Uh, we've also got a library of books to share at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash books. And sometime, hopefully before June, we'll be launching our new book club, which will be a mm -hmm. great place to, to come and talk about books and, and movies and all that beautiful, beautiful travel media-y stuff. Yeah, we're working on all sorts of books at the moment, so they'll be oh, coming yeah. out. We're working very hard. Yeah, we've got about six books, I think, going to come out this year. So it's, it's going to be good. We, we hope you're going to love them. For some non-monetary ways of helping us out, tell your friends all about the Indie Travel podcast. Invite them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Indie Travel. Or leave a five-star review for us on iTunes. I think that's us for this week. Can I steal Linda's line? No, no, she's giving me that look. You can, darling. I give you permission. Wow. 
Paul. <laughs> Are you sure? Until next week, travel well. You're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it didn't work. Go on, you do it. Well, I think I... <laughs> Strange, right? <laughs> well, I think that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.